Hey, welcome. It is seven minutes after 11 o'clock on a Think Tank Thursday. And you know what that means? That means it's time for Como Buzz with one Z. ComoBuzz.com and Mike Murphy to come on the program. And Mike's got some breaking news. By the way, um, if, you want real break, if you want some real breaking news, Sunday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m., you got to listen. Uh, German and Murphy. Or Murphy and German. How do you uh, how do you guys do that? Either uh, way, either way, we're it doesn't bi- matter. Or like that. You way. go both ways. Yeah, huh? yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lawsuit against the city. What? Why? Filed this week, uh, seeking to be a class action suit because the city charges and has been charging for quite some time seventeen dollars and thirty seven cents a month for weekly pickup of your garbage and your recycling. It also happens to be in the city charter, but I'll, I I. I'll leave that alone for a minute. So people are paying that every month. They suspend or they uh, reduced recycling pickup to every other week, and then in May they eliminated it altogether or uh, suspended it because they don't have enough staff, enough drivers. However, they've continued to charge the seventeen dollars and thirty-seven cents. So this uh, lady, who's a bit of an activist, she's been around a long time. Uh, around uh, uh, around City Hall, and she's worked in, in recycling. People who know, she, who know who she is, her name is Christine Gardner. She got an attorney, and the attorney's put together what he's trying to turn into a class action suit. And the essence of it is, is I'll read from the first, uh, the first paragraph of the lawsuit. It says, it's a, it is fundamental that one cannot charge money and obligate another to pay for services that one does not provide. But the city has done just that with this residential curbside recycling service. So that so got filed. She- is she hoping to get to motivate them to to recycle, or is she just hoping to get her money back? Uh, it asks for both. My guess is, and I'm trying to talk to her. Uh, my guess is she wants them to recycle because she's a recycling activist, and she'd like to see that curb. And they, they ask in the end, though, for uh, a declaration from the city that they have indeed been unjustly enriched, and that they disgorge their words any unlawfully gained funds with interest. And then they want a, uh, a permanent injunction ordering the city to indeed provide household recycling pickup every week. Uh, well, I half agree with her. I think everybody's entitled to a refund, but I don't, I don't this recycling thing turns out to be uh, not particularly uh, plastics, for instance, are very hard to recycle. I didn't know this. Uh, but even if, you know, you go to all the trouble of rinsing the plastic out and throwing it in a recycle bin and they take it, a, you know what they do with most of, most of it? They burn it. Yeah, I don't know what happens when it leaves here. They don't burn it here. The, no. The, you know, they want to keep it out of the landfill and they keep much of it out of the landfill. So what I think is, you know, there's two arms to go here. One is a discussion about recycling. But the fact of the matter is the city charter, until they change it, the city charter, as part of this lawsuit notes, uh, provides for weekly pickup of recyclable material. So, you know, this ongoing discussion about recycling certainly needs to continue and where they go within the future certainly needs to continue. But as it stands, the charter binds them to pick up weekly. They've been charging to pick pick up weekly and they haven't been doing it. So they have two choices. They can either drive those uh, vehicles around twice as much every month, picking up and, and, and burning CO2 in order for the vehicles to propel down the street. Or they can just change the charter and quit recycling. 
they could. Well, they face a, a massive decision. Uh, the news a week ago was that they've just completed a study. Uh, they paid a consultant $320-some-thousand to come in here for a year and study our entire recycling program. And the news that come out of it, and it's not really news, is that our materials... Uh, MRF, Materials Recovery Facility, out at the landfill. That's what they call the recycling operation. It's 23 years old, and all the equipment is at the end of its life. It hasn't been updated. It hasn't no investment. It's been out there for 23 years, and it's, it's not working anymore. It needs to be totally replaced. So they have four options. Uh, do nothing and, and, and send recycling. Don't recycle or send it out of town. There's a $9 million proposal that would be a stopgap to get them by. There's a $17 million proposal to build over top of what's there. Or there's the, you know, the, the Rolls-Royce, which is going to be the preferred uh, program, is $28 million to build a whole new facility at the landfill but on a different site. That way they can keep recycling at the current place and uh, at, while they build a new place. Yeah, so, naturally, naturally the government wouldn't want to give that up. No, and then what's they don't, I, I, I'm almost sure they'll go with, the question is going to be how they pay for it. Because in addition to that, and then the other news that came out, which is really even more important to people, is the plan is to a second roll card for everybody for the recycling. So they're going to get their first roll card in March for, for trash, and now a second roll card coming for recycling a few months down the road. So the, the, uh, new, the additional roll cards, $2.2 million, and then they have to uh, lease 8 to 10 new of those automated side-loading trucks, and that's right around $800,000 a year. So the price tag, uh, based on, on investing nothing in the system for the last you know, 20 years, and the payday has come due. So if they're going to stay in the recycling business, it's going to be a huge payday. And, you know, they come up with 2 and $3 million here and there all the time. But $30 million is the kind of thing that uh, is going to get passed down to, to residents and to users. And but how they're going to do that will be interesting. Doesn't the city have a kind of a cash stash they invested? Do. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, and they, they, they allege it's in case the market slows down and they don't get the revenue, they can dip into that cash to keep things, uh, services flowing. Uh, but uh, how much extra cash do they need? I mean, how much is the budget? How much do they spend and how much do they keep? Yeah, they have, this is a very, very complicated question. It gets complicated. They run a pension fund. They run a uh, self-insurance fund. I did quite a bit of work on it a while back and they have about uh, 12 to 15 operating funds and they try to keep each, each of those operating. Their, their rules are, that they keep a 20% cash balance in all those operating funds. Well, they all have, most of them have that, and then actually most of them are quite a bit over, some of them very much over, and then they'll manage that back down. But you add it all up, they do have uh, a lot of uh, excess cash. Uh, or, you know, it, it's a lot of excess cash no matter how you look at it, but how it gets spent down is what would be more controversial and require, require decisions. Yeah, they can. I don't know about $30 million, but we watch them all the time. Uh, I wrote a story yesterday, this field house uh, uh, out south of town, this big uh, athletic field house that they use for youth basketball and stuff. They're going to add on to that. It was originally going to be like $5.5 million. Now it's $9 million, $9.5 million. So they got to come up with $4.5 million, but they do. Um, that's that's where that kind of money comes from. We, we talked a while back about they bought that building downtown for a million and a half bucks, right? They can come up. Now, there's people like the railroad who's dying for $100,000 so they can replace railroad ties. We got no money for them. So they make decisions, you know, based on what, what they, what they want to fund. But certainly they come up with, at times, millions of dollars to fund projects that they want to fund. Um, can we get uh, uh, 
some information on this. Uh, you know, you want to rent your property out, uh, and the in the city yeah, wants Airbnbs. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm up against the clock, but okay. I, I want to tap your brain on that, and then we'll come right back. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hang on. Mike Murphy's with us. You can hear him every Sunday morning, eight to ten a.m. right here on ninety-three nine The Eagle. It's Think Tank Thursday, and uh, Mike Murphy is with us. Como Buzz. That's one Z. Como Buzz B U Z dot com. Uh, and uh, we're going to um, chat with him a little bit about uh, Airbnb and a couple of other stories. But, uh, Brian, Dave Rowland is not with us today. And then uh, Ron Calzone listened late. Uh, I uh, I think we're going to have a pretty good Christmas at our house. Yeah, absolutely, with yeah. our new fine system here. Oh, yeah. That's going to cost them both an arm and a leg. I actually uh, just sent your uh, part of the uh, income. Yeah? Yeah. So it should be arriving any day now. Will it arrive like the other ones that you sent? Uh-huh. Yeah, just like that. So, okay, I won't I won't be buying anything on time expecting that to come through. You didn't get them? Uh, no, no, huh. I haven't. Not a dime. Wow. It's kind of weird. I don't yeah. understand that. It's one of those invisible artworks things? It is, yeah. yeah. I see. But trust me, I did send it. Yeah, yeah, I'm safe for trusting a rabbit to deliver <laughs> carrots, but okay. All right, it is 11.20. Mike Murphy, Como Buzz. So uh, you you want to make a little money? You want to rent a house? The government uh, is going to start licensing, inspecting, limiting. Yep. So actually, uh, tonight, this very night at seven o'clock, is a is a first and new round of public hearings on a revised. They've been working on these ordinances for for like four years. And uh, since 2018, and they finally got some language that they think they're in agreement with, and uh, they're having a public hearing tonight. So basically, in a nutshell, if you are that, which is the original model of Airbnb, if you're renting out a room of your garage or an extra room in your house, some room that you have, and you live there, uh, you're going to be affected by this the least. Nobody's going to put you out of business. They're going to make you uh, get a license. That means they'll probably have to come to your home and inspect it. That's bugging people, but that's a reality. And you'll have to begin paying the uh, 5% lodging tax that the hotels pay. But you should stay in business, and you'll have to endure this new, this new licensing. If you are an, an investor who comes in and buys homes for the sake of turning them into Airbnbs, that's, that's who they want to, to stop. So part of the new rules limit, uh, limit Airbnbs to one per owner. Now, there's ways around that, of course, but still, that's a stifling effect on investors. And it also, importantly, uh, keeps them out of residential neighborhoods. There's, there's language here that, now remember, just for investors, not that first class of people we talk to, but if you're an investor, if you don't live in the home, uh, they're going to have severe limits on your ability to buy a home in a residential neighborhood and turn it into an Airbnb. Fundamentally, I disagree with the government's uh, logic here. I think there are free market solutions, and they should stay the hell out of it. But um, apparently that's not going to happen because it's, it's Columbia. Well, and one of the things is, see, they got into this a long time ago. So, number one, they began zoning, right? So now you have, you have uh, uh, neighborhoods that are zoned, and they're zoned for residential, and that prohibits commercial businesses from coming in. So they'd have a lot of work to do to stay out of this because they're, they're about to get sued 
by the idea that these Airbnbs are commercial businesses and they don't belong in residential neighborhoods. So their hands sort of getting forced. They need to get, well, and then where they really, the, the big regret that I think is coming up more and more because it's really starting to affect, they're starting to, they're starting to see the folly of this uh, universal development code that they, they put in a long, a long time ago. So you, you realize that with this uh, UDC that uh, it regulates all land use in the city of Columbia. And all land use has to be authorized under the UDC. That's the beginning of this Airbnb argument. There is no land use ordinance to run an Airbnb in Columbia. That's why all four or 500 of them are operating illegally. And, and to your point, though, is all of these land use regulations have driven up the cost of housing and has prohibited housing from being put in certain areas, irregular lots, things like that. And now we're sort of trending backwards, and there's a lot of talk. we got to loosen these up because it's really contributing to the affordable housing problem. If you just turn the radio on, Mike Murphy with us, Como Buzz. Uh, and uh, he is on uh, every Saturday morning with Algermont. Every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. goes till 10 a.m., and you do that live. Hey, Gary, uh, you're on Saturday mornings. I'm on Sunday mornings. I'm so, yeah, that's right. You're on Sunday mornings. I'm sorry. I was thinking, I was thinking of moving I had you to though. Saturday. <laughs> Give you the day off. Uh, yeah, you're on Sunday morning, 8 to 10. I'm on Saturday morning, 8 to 10, with Gary on guns. Thank you for the correction. Uh, before I let you go, and I will in just a couple of minutes, tell me about the uh, green light for the military surplus dealer to open yeah. retail uh, and, and, and an indoor firing range? Yeah, it's a big deal. It's flown under the radar screen because it's Boone County. And, uh, and, and what people are worried about is the retail store end of it. So let me just digress a bit. So it's taken them a long time, but this group, uh, I don't have the name in front of me. It's a funny name to remember, but they are the largest dealer. They have an agreement with the U.S. Army and they get uh, traded firearms in exchange for running these youth shooting competitions, youth training is firearm safety across the country. They're huge. They're a million dollar operation, multi-million dollar operation. They, uh, uh, Larry Potterfield, a, a gun enthusiast and uh, NRA supporter, big time donor, uh, donated them a 76,000-square-foot warehouse out at Midway, just west of town, just outside the city limits, actually. And they want to put in there, they are going to put in, they just got their permitting last week, a large uh, shooting range with all these targets for air rifles and 22s, uh, where they can bring in, like, hundreds of kids at a time, a 1,000 seating for spectators, things like that, a small snack bar to go with it, and then the more controversial, that'll all be indoors and all secured with bulletproof uh, uh, walls and all that kind of thing. The controversy, though, is they run superstores in a couple other locations for Army surplus stuff, including uh, the rifles and handguns that they sell. They've limited them in their uh, this conditional use permit they got out there to 3,000 square feet of retail space. That's the part that was sticking, and that's the part that I was kind of glad to get out there people don't know about. So they are going to be able to run because there was talk, no, they can't do retail out there. Yes, they can. They're going to have a 3,000 square feet of retail operation out there also, which many, many people will be happy about. So it, you know, there's enthusiasts. They're, I can't remember these two. They, they're the biggest retailer of these old M1 carbines. Uh, the World War II rifles uh, in, in the country. They've got a, a, a pipeline from uh, uh, from the U.S. Army. Also, these Colt 1911s. So they're big, big retailers of those, and they have their enthusiasts, enthusiasts out there who like to, who drive at their other stores. They'll drive from states away uh, to visit their stores. Yes, they're they're uh, going to build within the. They're going to remodel that warehouse and put that operation out there in Midway within the next year or so. But they're, uh, I assume that Midway doesn't want them competing with Midway. No, I don't think they, I don't think they matter. Potterfield, who 
who owns Midway USA, he gave him the land. No, I think he sees this as a wonderful thing because they're big supporters of uh, kids and youth learning to safely to 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 get uh, firearms training and safety training. And they trade in these. He trades in uh, he trades in all kinds of but brand new outdoor stuff, reloading. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Army Surplus. So who is opposed to it? I think it would be uh, the neighbors who live in a quiet little place out there. Who uh, Now, you, would, you could quickly argue, hey, this was Midway USA just a couple years ago, so it's not that quiet. But people down the street, there's neighbors who ne- live nearby. They wouldn't be crazy about getting a... Number one, there's concern when you're opening up a gun range. So they have to settle those concerns, which I think they did pretty good. Now there's going to be additional traffic out there. I don't think that's too big of a deal. It's already a traffic-like area. But there was concern about if you're going to open a big retail store, uh, it's going to it's going to like sort of maybe change the character of the neighborhood. I think those fears were qualmed. I don't think it's a big deal. But it did take it a while to get through the county's planning and zoning commission and ultimately approved by the, uh, the uh, board of commissioners. I want to be there when they open that up. That just sounds... Fantastic. And I, you know, uh, we at uh, Gary on Guns have hosted uh, and, and helped promote um, programs to teach kids to shoot uh, for several, I think, three or four years in a row. Uh, we did this where we had these kids come out. Uh, they had come out with a parent. They didn't have to bring ammunition. They didn't have to bring eye or ear protection. They didn't have to bring anything. Uh, just mom and dad uh, and, and the child. Uh, we gave them range lessons, taught them safe gun safety, uh, supervised, and taught them to shoot. Well, this would be just so much better and more easily accomplished and uh, and organized. I'm thrilled. Yeah, about it'll that. be a first class facility. I've seen uh, layouts of it, and they have them elsewhere around the country. The name of the operation I just got in front of me here is called Civilian Markmanship Program (CMP). If you Google them up, you'll see this is no uh, this is no small no small deal at all. Man, this sounds really, really impressive. Uh, how much time do I have, Brian? Because you have a minute and a half. A minute and a half. Jeez, uh, I was going to go into the uh, the Gans Creek. Uh, yeah, small thing, but... small deal. Uh, I, 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 there's always a lot of commotion when we get around Rockbridge State Park in the in that wild, Gans Wildlife Area out there because that is a very pristine. Beautiful area has a very clean flowing creek, not Gans Creek. There's another creek out there that's very, very clean flowing. I, I don't think this is particularly controversial. Uh, I think the more controversial thing is, is the, the bigger complaints is you're going to hear is it's another hundreds of thousand dollars going into a park in uh, Columbia. Yeah, can't have enough parks, you know. Yeah, this, now a mountain biking uh, facility, yes. a world class mountain biking facility. Hey, I think we should have one. <laughs> All right. Are you having any guests on on Sunday? It's only Thursday, Gary, and, and, I, and that's just kind of how I'm rolling nowadays. So I still got a day to figure that out. As of now, no, but I think we'll have one by for, by Sunday morning. I'll tell you what. You you <laughs> email me uh, who's going to be on, and I'll promote it. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you. All right, Mike Murphy, um, and it's Como Buzz with one Z uh, on the Gary Nolan Show on a Think Tank Thursday. So Jamal Bowman has... Well, he was censured. This is the second Democrat to be censored uh, recently by the Republicans. And the Democrats have this typical snarky attitude uh, about censure. And I listened to AOC suggest that this was no different than just jaywalking. It is different than jaywalking. It's... Could have been actually deadly. 
It's like shouting fire in a crowded theater. I'll explain next on the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's 11.35. Glad to have you with us on a Think Tank Thursday. I'm going to talk about Jamal uh, um, Bowman here in just a second. But I had this conversation with Mike Murphy about uh, recycling and uh, how there's this lawsuit. And I'm curious to see if you recycle. Do you take the time to separate the goods and, and recycle? Or do you just throw everything in a big garbage can and throw it out? Or get big garbage bag, I guess. Um, 874-9390, toll-free, it's 800-529-5572, or uh, go to GaryNolan.com and send me a message. I've lived in several places where they go through this uh, recycling thing, and I've never done it. I just, I don't do it. I think it's a waste of money. I think it's a waste of energy. I think it's a waste of time. I just put everything in the garbage bag and throw it out. Do you recycle? Do you go through the the effort to recycle? Give me a call uh, I'm, because I am curious. Uh, Brian, do you recycle? We do not. No, sir. No, it's like, no, this is garbage. Just throw it out. All right, I will get to the Jamal Bowman thing, I promise, in just a minute. But I am curious to see how what the, what the ratio is. Do you think there's a left-right split on recycling, Brian? There may be, yeah. Or maybe more conservatives don't recycle than do, than uh, Democrats? I'm not sure. I don't know. Let's go to Marissa first. Marissa, welcome. Uh, do you recycle? Um, I used to when they picked it up. But when they stopped picking it up, it pissed me off. And so I contacted the, the city council and the mayor about why they weren't giving me a refund for services they're not providing. And they pawned me off on someone that ended up pawning me back off on them. And they just gave me a big runaround, basically. So, so I am so happy that they are getting sued for this because it's complete and utter BS that they are charging us for something we don't receive. Yeah. If they, if they're gonna well, Marissa, you, for... you got the bags. What more do you want? <laughs> I know. I'm being so greedy. Yes. <laughs> $17 a bag. All right. Uh, Marissa, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right. So there's uh, two of us that uh, don't recycle. And uh, while I'm not in the city proper, I, I, it still counts because I, I didn't when I lived there. Rick, good morning. Do you recycle? I do, Gary. I was taught that we should do everything we could to keep our landfills from filling up. And I grew up on a road that's now known as formerly Junk Hauler Road, just a little northwest of Centralia. And that landfill, of course, became full. And uh, something had to be done. And uh, so now it's all hauled, I guess, to Columbia. But, you know, somehow or the other, we do need to keep glass, tin, aluminum, uh, and I don't know what other materials. I, I recycle plastic. We need to keep those out of the landfill because uh, Columbia Missourians 
sooner or later, you're going to have to buy land for a new landfill, and it's going to be expensive. Um, just so you know, the plastics thing, they, they almost never recycle. They end up burning it. But um, it does not go into Columbia's landfill. All right. Uh, I Personally, I think they can go ahead and plow it under at some point, and then they can build on top of it and uh, uh, somewhere down the road do it at somewhere else. Uh, we are not running out of room. All right, Rick, thank you very much. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Brian, it is two to two. Yep. Uh, let's go for a tiebreaker and see where Randy stands. Uh, if Randy agrees with us and doesn't recycle, then we'll end this right now. <laughs> Randy, do you recycle? I do. All right, we're going to keep taking calls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Randy. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Oh, uh, that's... We're losing. You you and I are like the Lone Rangers here. Every, I can't believe everybody else is... is, is I would suspect that most people don't, unless you have the space to do that in. I don't know. Well, let me see here. I'm getting some... Okay, let's see. Uh, John Stossel has a video a few years ago that proved recycling was a total farce. Maybe a big bad Brian can find it. Can you look that up, Brian? John Stossel recycling? I can, yeah. Let's see if we can get that. Uh, trash bag at all, says Marty. From what I've heard and read, the best places for most of the plastic is... Sealed permanently in a proper landfill. All right, we're starting to we're starting to break even here. In fact, I think we're edging ahead. David, do you recycle? Uh, used to. You don't do it anymore. Uh, no, I uh, um, did. I used to when the city got all crazy about recycling and stopped picking it up. And then I talked to a guy who worked out there and said, "We're not recycling anything. It's all going in the landfill." Now I hear it's being burned. Then I watched the John Stosser report you just made reference to. So it's the whole thing is like all my recycle goes in the trash. And until I know something good's being done with it, I take my cardboard down. I do that. And I take that to the bins. And that's okay because that's being taken care of, I think. But otherwise, no, I do not recycle. All right. David, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Do we have time to play? Can we play it right now? We can. Uh, we have played this before. I remember this now. Well, let's... Uh, uh, we can always play you, again. You want to do it after the uh, break? It's up to you. Why don't we do a few calls? A couple more phone calls, and then we'll do it? Yeah. All right, then let me get Rick on here. Rick, which side are you on? You, do you recycle? Well, I recycle, but I'd like to know where in the wide, wide world of sports you hear that Columbia burns the plastic they recycle. I, I didn't say Columbia. I said that recycled plastic usually gets burned. Uh, there was just and a piece... And where of, did you... Wall Street I, I, Journal, I'm not familiar with that. Wall Street Journal just had a piece on it. Uh, apparently, there are different types of plastic, and it's not easy to meld, uh, and they just get stocked up, and uh, eventually they just burn it. Interesting. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. Uh, glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tina, good morning. Good morning. I used to recycle. Where I live, they don't recycle. Back a few years ago, they remodeled everything, and they gave us all boxes to uh, move three boxes times uh, 70 rooms 
And all of this was going in the trash, and it just made me sick that they didn't have recycle for it. So you don't do it anymore? Well, I don't, know because I don't have any way, way to move it. And uh, it just made me sick that they just threw it all in the trash. All of these hundreds of boxes, every time I saw them, I just sick. All right. You've heard enough. All right, Tina, thank you, sweetheart. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, where did this go? I am looking for that article. I just read it. In fact, I read it this week about um, how recycling uh, plastics, it's, it's just a waste. Uh, Gary, Gary's on next. Gary, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Gary, I recycle, but it's uh, brass only. <laughs> Uh, you're reloading. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's a recycling I can get behind. There you go. Take care, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Scott, good morning. Do you recycle? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, and, you know, for your listeners that really think they're making a difference with that, they really should do a little bit of research on their own because most of the recycling that they think they're really helping the environment with either does get burned or it does wind up in landfills. I'm not saying Columbia does that, but a lot of places do. As far as the brass recycling goes, I'm down with that. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, thank you, Scott. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Jay says, Gary, years ago when I lived in Cortland, Ohio, about 60, yeah, you know, I got uh, family lives in Cortland, uh, about 60 miles southeast of Cleveland, I had the honor of being behind a garbage truck on a collection day. While going to work, the garbage truck stopped, picked up black garbage bag and threw it in the truck. Then it picked up a blue recycle tray uh, that uh, had uh, plastic empty uh, cans and uh, through the same truck. Okay, there you go. A, a wonderful process. All right, we'll play the Stossel piece when we come back. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. Ten minutes to noon, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Randy Tobler, talkers all the way through for the rest of the day right here. The best talkers. ABC News, recycling plants are amassing millions of tons of plastic bottles, the Environmental Protection Agency says, with some becoming part of a growing problem of toxic fires at these plants, according to data provided by environmental advocates. And here's John Stossel on recycling. Do you recycle? For sure, absolutely. Absolutely, everything I possibly can. For decades, we've been told. Recycle America. Don't just throw it all because recycling will save the planet. You are saving the earth. And that's what people believe. We have to do it for the kids, for the next generation. We'll all be back on the shelf at the Cracker cereal box in about four to five weeks. This recycling company is run by Lynn Hoffman. If we're not using recycled paper and cardboard, we're cutting down more trees. Recycling paper and cardboard does save trees. Recycling aluminum does save energy. But most of the other stuff is impractical to recycle. That's right. This is material that came in to the recycling facility from people's recycling carts and is going to leave as trash. Huge amounts of what people send to her recycling plant will never be recycled. The worst is plastic, which for years has been marked with the recycling symbol. We see stuff like this all the time. Recycling arrows on it. Please recycle. 
not recyclable. Even worse, plastic bags clog the recycling machines. You have to climb in for a couple hours every day and cut them out with the box cutter. But people think most of our plastic is recycled. Yeah, I do think so. Is it not? You're going to tell me it's not? <laughs> that's, what, that's the trick? The reality is that... The amount of plastic actually recycled is around 5%. Wow. I figured there was something coming, but I'm, I'm, I'm shocked right now. I didn't know. It's sad. All my life, I've heard about how important it is to recycle. It's not. Science writer John Tierney debunked recycling claims years ago. His New York Times Magazine story, Recycling is Garbage, set a record for Times hate mail. And yet, what you said is still true? It's even more true today. In fact, the economics have just gotten worse. Now, my city would save more than $300 million a year if it just stopped recycling. Recycling is an industry that's using increasingly expensive labor to produce materials that are worth less and less. Because it's not worth recycling here, much is shipped overseas to countries like Malaysia, where it's just piled up. A vast field of plastic, two stories high. Some of it from America. See if we can look on the back here. Marysville, Ohio. Look, Walmart bag. They just dump here and then they burn it. That pollutes even more. And what they don't burn, they sometimes dump in the ocean. One garbage truck of plastic is dumped in the sea every minute. Barely any of that plastic comes from American shores. So <laughs> if you care about saving Flipper, you should put your plastic bottle in the garbage. The garbage? But then it would go to a landfill. And aren't we running out of space for landfills? I'm sure we are. People believe that because for years the media said, we've about run out of places to throw away our throwaways. They think that because years ago there was so much publicity about this barge. A symbol of this country's growing problems with trash. The barge traveled thousands of miles looking for a place to dump its load. But it wasn't because there wasn't room. States turned this barge away because alarmist media scared people about what it contained. It could be infectious waste. Dripping brown ooze of possibly infectious material. We don't know what kind of tropical vermin is in that garbage. The EPA later found it was normal garbage. And landfills had plenty of room for it. Today they have more space than we'll ever need. If you think of the United States as a football field, all the garbage that we will generate in the next 1,000 years would fit inside a tiny fraction of the one-inch line. Really? Oh, that's surprising. On top of that, today's landfills are not the polluters they once were. Some sensible regulations make sure they don't pollute. Eventually, landfills are turned into ski hills, parks, and golf courses. Putting garbage here is much cheaper than recycling. So why do towns keep pushing recycling? They do it because people demand it. It's a sacrament of the green religion. I rinse my cans, I take my labels off. If there's plastic on that something that's paper, I take the plastic piece off of it. That's fine if they want to do it voluntarily, but we shouldn't mandate that. It's not my religion. I don't want to perform that sacrament. I don't want to either. It's time consuming and complicated. My city orders us follow all these rules. And that's one of the reasons recycling fails is because it's so complicated, people never learn the rules, and why should they be spending their free time learning these rules? Worse, lots of what we do is pointless. If you rinse a, a plastic bottle in hot water, the net result is more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than if you threw it in the garbage. Even Greenpeace said 
most plastics simply cannot be recycled. So what's Greenpeace's solution? Let's stop producing it. You're saying don't use plastic at all. Ban plastic. I think that's where we're headed. No more plastic? But plastic often creates less emissions than alternatives. Environmental groups rarely mention that or how they misled us about recycling for years. It's appalling that after telling people for three decades to recycle, they don't even apologize for all the time and money that they've wasted. Instead, they have an even worse proposal that will make life even worse and will be even more expensive. One time-consuming dream of theirs is a circular economy where everything is reused. If you're running out of laundry detergent, you could take your jug back to the store and fill it up instead of buying another one. That's really... Goal. But people don't want to. You're, you're, you're asking them to do things they don't want to do. People also don't want insurance rates going up because of catastrophic weather. Catastrophic weather increases because someone doesn't recycle? Sure, because of climate change. Give me a break. Recycling's no climate savior. When Los Angeles mandated recycling, they added 400 polluting garbage trucks. But environmentalists still demand we pick through our trash, switch from plastic to paper bags that rip. California even bans small plastic shampoo bottles. They still think, you know, why do you want to make life more difficult for travelers? Some of these rules are just so arbitrary and silly. It's simply a way, I think, for Greens and for some politicians to pretend that they're saving the planet. And it's to just feel absurd. To yeah. It feels like they're doing something. Right, and I think they get a charge out of telling people what to do. So they had to bring on hundreds of diesel-powered trucks to collect the recyclables in California. Oh, yeah, that just uh, that just doesn't cut it. By the way, uh, tomorrow, which is Frosty Buns Friday, if I have uh, one of the topics I want to get to is uh, a story that just broke now about one in four people who had the Pfizer COVID uh, jab. Uh, had unintended immune response. One in four, 25%. That is huge. Brian, do I have time to get any of these calls? Or am I out of time? All right, uh, then uh, let, me, uh, get, let me get Penny on here very quickly. Penny, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I do recycle, and um, my understanding is Mike Murphy spent a day at the dump, or the, I guess that's what you call it, and uh, he interviewed people there and my understanding is that the city does re get money for some of the plastics and that's part of the reason why we are still as a city recycling plastic. Did you listen to now, the John Stossel piece we just played? Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, that That's my understanding that he just was on the radio just in the last yeah, week. And, uh, yeah, but it, the John Stossel piece on recycling. Did you did you listen to what happens to the plastic? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know. I'm just telling you what. That's Mike Murphy from right. Como. All right. And All right, Penny. I got to run. Thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem, Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.